in 2015, two swimming friends and I decided to anchor a relay team for the famous Escape from Alcatraz triathlon in San Francisco. The swim leg of that triathlon is billed as a mile and a half, starting from a boat just off Alcatraz Island to a harbor club beach in San Francisco Bay. Swimming in San Francisco Bay presents several challenges. First, in any open water swim, you lose the visibility that a swimming pool offers. That change makes it harder to navigate, but worse, it can generate a mild claustrophobia. For some swimmers, this anxiety borders on panic, and some of them just don't swim in open water. For most people, practice can make that feeling go away. When I swim in blind water, I try to relax into a sort of a trance where I'm not too concerned about what I can see. The water's not going to get any clearer, so you just can't wait for things to improve. You just have to accommodate yourself to it. The second challenge in swimming in San Francisco Bay is the cold. The water temperature in the Escape from Alcatraz swim is normally between 50 and 56 degrees. Most swimmers would hyperventilate swimming in that cold, even with a wetsuit, unless they train extensively to get acclimated. Really cold water takes your breath away and generates a very high heart rate, which makes it physically impossible to swim. This blows up a swimmer who doesn't know how to start very slowly and wait to go into swimming mode until after he's sure he is calm and his heart rate is normal. I call that startup period making friends with the water. The water's not going to adjust to you, you have to adjust to it. The third challenge is the chop. The surface in San Francisco Bay is rough as ocean-going currents meet incoming waves driven by westerly winds. Veterans of that swim race say it's like swimming in a washing machine. Really rough water can impair a swimmer's normal stroke some people try to fight the waves, but that's futile. Anybody who's ever fought a riptide knows that in a fight against water force, the water always wins. You have to accommodate to the waves because the waves are not going to accommodate to you. One technique for doing that is staying long, meaning keeping your body straight and linear like a long ship and making sure that you get full extension on your stroke. The wetsuit is a big deal. If it's too snug, it constrains motion and makes you work harder. It can also exacerbate that feeling of claustrophobia. If the wetsuit's too loose, it lets in too much cold water and defeats the purpose. A good wetsuit needs to be thick in those spots where you want warmth and thinner where you want flexibility, like around shoulders and armpits. The right wetsuit not only keeps you warmer, it also adds speed with its low friction surface and buoyancy. And that buoyancy is also a bit of an anxiety reducer, as if you are in a bit of a life jacket. By the way, are you noticing how much this podcast so far is focused on anxiety management? All the things that we're trying to do to reduce the anxiety that applies to open water swimming in rough, cold water. Now, from all of this, you might say, wow, only a really good athlete should try to do this. Luckily for me, the opposite is true. Although my two training partners, the other swimmers that I was training with, 
Although they were excellent swimmers, I'm very average. Swimming a mile in a pool takes me about 40 minutes, maybe 35 if I'm mad. No real swimmer would be impressed by that. To become worthy of the challenges of Alcatraz doesn't take special athletic genes. It just takes a realistic knowledge of the nature-based challenges and a program to adapt to them. My Alcatraz experience had three phases. The preparation, the race itself, and the post-race. Phase one lasted all the previous winter. My two friends and I were in Lake Pontchartrain by New Orleans quite a lot, swimming in wetsuits in water as cold as 50 degrees. And we'd train in fairly high chop so that the washing machine wouldn't be a total surprise in the race. In those winter swims, every outing started the same way. We walked down to the seawall stairs into the waves, then breaststroked sort of tentatively away from it and waiting to see how breathtaking the cold water was that day, testing how long it would take to make friends with it and start swimming. I had a thicker layer of epithelium than my friends. That's a euphemism for saying that by triathlon standards, I'm a little pudgy. So it sometimes took the other two longer to feel okay in the cold. Once they did, they easily outpaced me. Lake Pontchartrain is home to bull sharks, although I'm unaware of any attack on a human ever. Also, one summer, I saw a giant alligator carcass floating in the area where we normally swim. That was after a recent storm, and I'm pretty sure that carcass had drifted there from far away. And as far as I know, there's never been an alligator attack on a human in Lake Pontchartrain. But you get the idea. We were conscious of swimming in the presence of unseeable, potentially unfriendly marine life. A sudden movement in the water or a strange noise tended to make us stop and look nervously around. It's a weird hobby. We got a lot of second looks from lakeshore walkers swimming that winter in those waves. The three of us formed the strange sort of camaraderie that people doing something that is impossible to explain to anyone else tend to form a lot of humor that was untranslatable. After each swim that winter, we were glad to get out of the water. But the compensation came soon after. A cold swim impacts the body chemistry in lots of positive ways. Every visual seemed to have more color, more texture. Food tasted wonderful. We felt more extroverted, more generous. Phase two was race day, June 5, 2015. After all of that training, we come to San Francisco, and the day before the race, we and our relay teammates, meaning the cyclists and the runners on each of our respective teams, did the necessary registration, got our goodie bags, and explored our respective course areas. Then it was an early dinner, early to bed, and an early rise on race day. It was still pre-dawn when we swimmers joined the long lines boarding the excursion boat that took us to near Alcatraz Island and served as our platform for beginning the swim. We got the signal to line up and start jumping in. So we three jumped together in turn. The drop was about eight feet. From that height, you plunge pretty deep. The first thought underwater is to move forward so the next jumper doesn't land on you. As you surface, you're sensing to see if the water is going to take your breath away 
and make you wait some time to make friends with the water before you swim. I felt perfectly fine, no shortness of breath. All the training had paid off. All three of us checked each other's location, and after seeing everyone was okay, we started stroking towards shore. My friends were distancing from me quickly, and that was fine. I was in San Francisco Bay swimming in a perfect wetsuit with no discomfort from the cold. I remember feeling a smug triumph. At first, the sky was clear, but it grew very foggy. When the fog made landmark sighting impossible, we followed the many small motorcraft who stayed in sight with powerful guiding lights. There were also kayakers threading all among us for safety. At about the halfway point, the water got rougher. I kept my torso straight and long, kept calm and focused on good technique, saving a little energy for the current near the end. The other thing you have to learn in distance swimming is not to care too much about how soon it will end. If you are in a hurry to reach the finish line, it just raises the anxiety level. It's better just to assume you'll be out there a while, get into a groove, and think about something that makes you feel serene. Finally, I reach the point about 400 yards from shore where the out current picks up and can sweep an inattentive swimmer out toward the mouth of the bay. Time now to put in some extra stroke power and muscle through that current. Done. Good. Now here came the beach under my feet and I started walk diving my way in. On the beach, I began to run hard to the transition area where I could give my team chip to our team cyclist. These images have kept coming back to mind as the coronavirus pandemic changes our routines. We're not swimming in pools right now with clear marks to guide us, comfortable temperatures, calm flat surfaces, and complete absence of scary critters. And we didn't get to train all winter to be ready for this. It's as if we were training during the triathlon, and we don't have the experience of a generation of previous racers to guide us, tell us how to train. But every day I witness people getting readier in lots of ways. As a society, we're rapidly coming to understand the science, accept its reality, and adapt. People are changing habits quickly to make the best of things and developing aptitudes they didn't have before. And I'm amazed at what I'm seeing in people as they adapt. I'm on video conference calls with people at work, in their home office, and as I watch them talking, it's as if I'm noticing them getting bigger more confident, more able. It's a beautiful part of my day, connecting with people in our company and getting a heightened sense of how much I like them and admire them. And I see our neighborhood finding ways to take care of each other and cheer each other up. I told you there were three phases, and I haven't talked about the last. The last phase of the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon was the joy phase. Earlier, I admitted to you that I'm a very average swimmer but I'm very much above average at putting together teams. My escape from Alcatraz relay team was called the Speed Merchants. Our cyclist was the Dutch general manager of Interlox Europe. He's won some of the most competitive amateur races in the world. Our runner is a senior member of the sales group in Japan who runs rigorous eight-mile courses like the escape for practice runs. So, after I finished my very average swim, ran the half mile to transition, and handed our team chip to our cyclist, there were reasons for optimism. I stood in the athlete grandstand in a parka and wool cap and opened a thermos of cognac while my teammates caught up with the competitor teams and passed them to deliver a first place finish in the men's relay. 
Later, still cruising on endorphins and a slow drip of cognac, I recorded a video selfie by the iconic seal-infested docks of San Francisco, smoking a cigarette and sarcastically explaining how to compete in triathlon relays. We were high for days from the experience. One of my swim groups said she was high from it for months. Back to coronavirus. We don't know how soon this will begin to diminish, and we can't focus too much on that. If we assume it may last longer than we would like, but that it will end, we'll stay calmer. And when it does end, I'm imagining a comparable sort of euphoria, partly a rebirth of our sense of community, a renewed appreciation for each other, but also people realizing they rose to a challenge that was really big and aware of how they adapted and showed what we humans are really good at. I can imagine how this is going to feel when it's over. I can imagine us feeling proud of ourselves.